name is Brie Castellini. I used to be a spy. My name is Chris Cherry. I used to be asleep like less than an hour ago. And this is Burn Notice, a weekly rewatch of the USA television masterpiece Burn Notice about Michael Weston, a spy. Throughout this podcast, we will be rating each episode on whether it is A, an episode of television, B, a great episode of television, or C, a great episode of Burn Notice. If you want to know what complicated calculations go into these ratings, wait until the end, where we will explain them. Also, if you or anyone you know knows Jeffrey Donovan or anyone even remotely related to Burn Notice who isn't already mad at us, please get in touch. You can send us connections, questions, suggestions, compliments, and absolutely no criticism of any kind via email or Twitter to burnnoticepodcast at gmail.com or to our Twitter at burnnoticepod. And as always, those are burn noticed with a D. I mean, if you know someone who's mad at us, you can, I think you can let us know. If it's like a well, new person really who's mad at us. Know. If, you, if you can connect us to someone who's mad at us, that's fine. Like, I'm happy to, to field it. Yeah. Uh, you could say I've trained for it recently, that, talking to people who are mad at me. That, someone who's mad at us that worked on burn notice. Like, if, uh, if someone on the internet is mad at us, then fuck them. Oh, yeah, I don't give a shit about any, like, normies' opinions no. of me. No, I yeah. mean, frankly, I don't care about any of the burn notice people's thoughts on me, but I'd love to you talk to You don't even care about my thoughts on you. I've never cared about your thoughts on me. You're a, you're a peon. You're a worm. Everyone's a worm but me. <laughs> this is a good energy. It's a good energy we have. <laughs> yeah, y'all, the, the, f- these last two episodes of the season are going to be... <laughs> so it's been a couple of weeks oh. since we've recorded. How are you, Chris? <laughs> It's it's been a minute. It's been a bit. I'm good. Oh my god. Yeah. No. I'm good. I am like literally in like less than a week in a couple of days about to fly to Texas for three weeks. So that's exciting. Yeah. For the first time in like what two three years? Actually, in yeah two years I guess. Oh yeah, because you did go there when you were moving to LA. I did go there when I was moving. How long have you been in LA? Like about Since I early guess like twenty nineteen. Almost two years. Yeah, because yeah. Oh, yeah, it was like September because we started recording this podcast in July of 2019. Yeah. And then by like the end of season one, you had moved. Right. Yeah. And the, yeah. I forgot there was a time where we used to record in the same room. We did do that. We did. We recorded so many podcasts in the same room. Exactly. Your, your room. Yeah, my room. Yeah. I don't. I, I love you, Brie Castellini. I don't allow you in my house. That's fair. That's absolutely fair. And to be fair, I don't want to be in your house. Because oh you're a worm. God. Just just so everyone remembers. <laughs> it's a worm. a worm. It's a wormhole. It's a wormhole. Uh, I live in a wormhole. They call me Dr. Worm. <laughs> Dr. Christine Worm. Dr. Christine Worm. Oh, my God. You know, it's like not a bad sci-fi name. Dr. Dr. Christine Dr. Worm. Dr. Also, Dr. Worm is a trend like song. Fight me. Don't fight me. Song? Do you not know Dr. Worm by... They Might Be Giants? No, I don't listen to They Might Be Giants. I feel like you would like They Might Be Giants, maybe. You like... I feel like I've se- I've heard like one or two of their songs, and I'm like, oh, this is interesting. You like high-pitched white guy voices singing things that like are <laughs> not ska, but ska adjacent. Do I like high-pitched white bo- boy voices? Is that you a do. Thing? You super do. Also, like you like like 90s alt-rock. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I yeah. do think that I've listened to They Might Be Giant songs before, and I've been like, oh, yeah, I like this. I just, I've never, I've never done a deep dive. You should do a deep dive and then get back to us on the podcast. All right, cool. For 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 next season, season six, I'm going to be for season a, six, yeah. a, a really docile They Might Be Giants fan. Yeah. 
<laughs> and Chris will still be a worm. But, you know. Exactly. And the more things change, you guys. <laughs> Should we talk about the episode? Let's Which, talk about the episode. Full disclosure, I kind of don't remember. I watched it yesterday, but, like, I am still in Colorado. I, I don't move to Los Angeles until, like, halfway through Chris's trip to Texas. And we're recording this all before I move. So, like, I'm still in, like, peak allergy season surrounded by hay and dander. And I had, like, the worst allergies of my life yesterday. And I was also just, like, having a bad day. So everything kind of compounded. And I, like barely paid attention to my episode recapping it and then i f- straight up fell asleep during chris's so i had to rewatch that one earlier today so i'm i have a loose memory of everything that happened yesterday but mostly i just remember going through like four kleenex boxes so let's do it this is season five episode oh. 17 oh so they it's made called- you cry uh yeah yeah they were really uh heart-wrenching episodes particularly this one called acceptable loss which aired december 8th 2011 was written by ben watkins and directed by jonathan frakes who longtime listeners of burn will remember i almost killed once so but you didn't that's fun i didn't and, he and gone i think that showed remarkable restraint on your part honestly thank you i'm a i'm a hero you are a hero I say this all the time because you hold me at knife point. (laughs) So from afar for for now, but soon, soon, Christine Cherry, I will hold a knife to your 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 white worm throat in person again. Don't flirt with me on (laughs) mic. That has never been a rule that I've followed. So the IMDb description of this episode, uh, which I am allowed to do on Mike, is uh, that while Michael turns to Vaughn, who remember Vaughn, to get answers about Anson, the rest of the crew helps Jesse's friend take down a diplomat dealing in blood diamonds. Remember when everyone was talking about blood diamonds? I do remember that. It, it, it felt very nostalgic. Right? I mean, also, presumably there's still a problem. <laughs> yeah, presumably. Uh, remember, luckily millennials are too broke to buy them, so I, I imagine the market. It's true. Yeah, we little. destroyed that industry. We did, and we destroyed straws and napkins, uh, and probably other stuff too. Do you remember Coney twenty twelve? Was it? 2012? I do. I also I don't, but I do. It's such a haze. <laughs> I remember Coney twenty twelve. It's like a person that I made out with at a party. <laughs> I was just going to say, there is an, a Veronica Mars episode about it that has immortalized it in time. It's not technically uh-huh. about Coney 2012, but like it's about the Invisible Children charity yeah. related to that. Anyways, oh my God, didn't this guy like, in public? Oh yeah, he sure did. He like, he like had a very public mental breakdown and, and definitely did some public urination. Speaking of like crazed white people in charge of organizations exactly it's just one other way that that guy is exactly like justin bieber they are the same um i don't know why justin bieber is something that popped into mind but one of the few things i know about justin bieber is that he once peed in i think like a mop bucket in front of some paparazzi i think that's what happened that sounds right Anyways, uh, enough about piss. Let's talk about weeds by getting into them. All right. <laughs> Do you like my because piss transition, Chris? Did that work for you? Your position? My, yeah, my position. Transpissin? No, that's something different. Yeah, that's a fully different fetish that we do not have time to go into for this episode. 
<laughs> All right. So let's go to a graveyard, specifically the graveyard that Michael's dad is in, which is quite nice and seems to be on the seashore. Uh, so Michael and Madeline visit Frank's grave. Um, apparently, he canonically died in 1998, so nearly a decade before Burn noticed the TV show began, which is an interesting timeline that like was much further away than I expected. But I don't actually know how old Michael Weston is canonically supposed to be because like he left home at 17 and I think he like lied to the army recruiters so that he could enlist prior to eight or no it wasn't that he lied but he had to get like special paperwork or something yeah. so we know Michael Weston left home at 17 but I don't know how old he's supposed to be now so it's hard for me to place in time how old he was when his dad died and that's oh, yeah, no, he's like ageless. Michael him. Weston is ageless <laughs> But he does have to have an age because we know there are just like defined things in his background. Yeah, but no, he's the same age always. So like, so the the way that it must have happened is that so Michael Weston like wasn't immediately like on Anson's radar when he left. So like, I guess he was in the army for let's say a decade and started to make a name for himself as a spy. And then that would get us to 1998 when Anson heard about him and started sniffing around his like parents and they killed Frank in 1998. So a decade ago, but then Michael Weston, despite the death of his father, continued to like barely come home and talk to his family until he was burned in 2007. Is that, I is that think the... that's what's going on. It does seem like a long, it sure seems like a long game on Anson's part. Yes. It seems like not worth it. Yeah, I can't imagine Michael. Like, what I want to know is did Anson go to like other spies? Like, did he go to Victor's or Carla's like parents and pretend he to be had their to have done, right? What? Or is like, he had to have, right? I guess. But like, he, how could he have, like, their network was pretty big, which we know because of the beginning of this season, we saw them take it down over the course of like months. So like Anson could not have possibly been like personally <laughs> pretending to be various spies, parents, therapists. Like th there wouldn't be time because he was like, he was a real guy well, who imagine, for the agency for a while. Well, I imagine like at a certain point he delegated. Do you think... Is Michael the inspiration for the management and the organization and all that? Well, like, I don't think he can be because Anson said a couple of episodes ago that the he was inspired to start the organization because like burn he would have to do like exit interviews and like review yeah. cases of burn spies and he was like it's a shame that all these bright young minds are going to waste and right. so it couldn't have been Michael that inspired that because Michael wasn't burned for another decade after that's fair well. After his dad died, but we don't know how long the organization was around prior to his dad dying. It just seems like keeping an eye on this one guy for that long, if you're also, like, presumably doing other shit with other spies, feels Right, weird. yeah, like, why wait ten years between, like, you know, yeah. his killing was his dad for asking too many yet? questions? I don't know. See, this is the thing. Knowing his dad died in 1998, like, we can't get past this because that's, like, such a rich vein of, like, so what the fuck is the timeline for Burn Notice? I will it give them that sense. since, like, season three, the whole organization has made a lot more sense, but it feels like it's a lot of, like, retroactive explanations that, right. like, if we, no, if it's we a were lot to of think about, <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it feels like they kind of changed the game midway through the show and are like, okay, no, this is the thing now. And this is, I'm I mean, fine with that. But like, I'm yeah, it means that it's, that. I, I firmly believe that when you're making serialized television, you shouldn't hold yourself too much to your initial Continuity. ideas and plans. 
and continuity. That's how you wind up writing the How I Met Your Mother finale. So like, <laughs> I mean, also really how quickly, much mother did not have to have that finale. There, there was plenty that they could have done. That exactly, would not have like negated seven seasons of character development of two of the major characters. God, I mean, we don't have time. We don't have time. <laughs> Do you like, want to do a How I Met Your Mother podcast, Chris? No, I desperately that? do raise your not. Hand. Okay, wait, really quickly. Would you rather do a white collar or a How I Met Your Mother podcast? If you had to choose between one of those extremely white shows, which would it be? Well, I used to be a fan of How I Met Your Mother. and I don't give a shit about white collar. So I think white collar would be more fun. However, <laughs> like, a lot a of... A bad green screen alone is worth it. Holy shit, does White Collar have, like, the worst CGI and, like, green screen effects ever. And it's, like, every episode, there's at least one really bad green screen shot, and I'm obsessed. It's so funny to watch. Wow. I didn't it's think like, they would yeah. need to do that. Like, what is that no, show? Right? He's, like, a thief, right? It's sort it of just catch me if you can. Kind of, yeah. It's it's It's... Mostly they would use them for driving. So like if they were in the car or like an exterior that apparently they were outside of. But like you'd think that they could work their way around that. They could build a set. They could like change the location. But I think it was probably because it was set in New York, but I'm almost certain they were filming it in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. No, but that's for whatever yeah. reason, the like exteriors that they build in Los Angeles to look like New York, which How I Met Your Mother used quite frequently, weren't good enough. I don't know. It's very, it's so bizarre. It's like, I don't know what they're spending their money on because it was not the green screen. Well, I remember those How I Met Your Mother exteriors. They look like Sesame Street. <laughs> um. Okay, so... I guess. <laughs> so they're in this, windows. like, they're at this graveyard that's pretty nice. There's a, a Madeline nice says that, like, the Frankly dad would have hated it because of there's because they're in the weeds. <laughs> he would have been mad at the weeds. I just remember looking at it and be like, I don't know. It looks really nice and well kept to me. Yeah, frankly, it's better than he deserved. Exactly. Anyways, so yeah, so that happened. So Michael and Madeline basically just have like a sort of tone setting conversation for the episode. Um, Madeline explains why she won't be in the next two episodes, which is that Nate got a place in Daytona for a couple of for like a week, a couple of weeks. I don't remember. Um, And Madeline was like, so I'm going to go chill with him so that you can deal with this. But Michael, fucking get your shit together. Take care of this dude. Get rid of this Anson motherfucker. I am sick of this. Apparently he killed your dad, and I fully believe that now. Get this dude. Get his ass, Michael. And Michael's like, okay, mom. Which I kind of liked. I like that Madeline is like, instead of being like, I hope you're careful, she's like, fuck this dude. Kill him. Kill him. I don't remember her being that gung-ho about it. Maybe that's just my energy that I'm bringing to it, but like, it was certainly more like, Son, get the job done. Kind of a yeah, conversation and not like previous, which I like. Exactly, I like which Madeline is weird actually, because like most of the season, she's been like, um, "Don't put people in danger, Michael. You're constantly yeah. putting your friends in danger, and yourself." Exactly. Where are my it's weird kids? that that doesn't pay off. I mean, it's not well, that I mean, weird. This is burn notice. <laughs> total but... consistency for a season of burn notice is not really the thing that we can expect. It is weird I, that I still they like kept the hitting scene, that. Right? beat for it to not matter well because that's just what madeline's character is i think they're still very much trying to figure out like how much of her is the mom and how much of her is like the fifth ensemble member and that's a tension that i don't think that they've fully settled on anyway we should talk about the episode 
<laughs> yeah, so Madeline leaves. Uh, and then back at the loft, Michael emerges to find Fiona, who's looking pretty excited. She put Barry on Anson, and she thinks that he found something. He managed to track some money that is wired through a couple of places, but ends at a DC law firm. So they're like, let's pack a let's go for a trip. I've already packed the bag, says Fiona. So they head to Washington, D.C. Apparently it's no longer an issue that Michael leaves the city, even though like the, I think like the past two or three episodes, somebody has asked him to leave and he's like, I can't leave Miami. And they're like, you can leave Miami. And he's like, fine, I can leave Miami. But this time they're like, let's just go to D.C. for a weekend. So Michael and Fee like stake out this law firm that they think that Anson's dirty money is going into. And the way that they get in is that they like watch all of the people going in and out, find someone who's like a good body match to Fiona. So Fiona goes off to like find a wig and an outfit that looks like this woman's uh, and then Michael like steals her key card when she leaves for lunch so that Fiona can use it to get him and her in it works fairly well it's very smooth I, I liked this especially because we're still in the cold open and I'm like holy shit there's a lot of stuff going on I love watching these two just like work together yeah. So they dig through a bunch of files in a file room and they I like, also find... I love Fee and her costume Fee and her costume her disguise, is great, she looks it's so good it looks like Edna from The Incredibles. It does. No, <laughs> there's something so delightfully cartoonish about it. Exactly. And like, and they, like they make a couple like little jokes and asides about it. And I adore that. It's very fun. But so they're as they're digging, they find something a little unexpected. They find a file on Vaughn and something related to Vaughn. And it was updated two days ago. So it means that like whatever Anson's up to, it is related to Vaughn in some way. Huh. I guess we got to go talk to him now. End of cold open. Vaughn's back. Vaughn's back. Does audience care that Vaughn's back? Do you, Brie <laughs> Castellini, care that Vaughn's back? Not really. I mean, I'm glad that we're checking in with him because I did, like, kind of forget what happened to him. <laughs> like, it's good to know, like, I, I, I am interested anytime, like, a show like this brings back, like, a villain from a previous season. Like, mm -hmm. it's always interesting to see what has happened to them and the fact that they managed to still have influence outside of it. Like, I think that's neat. They're always kind of usually more interesting, too. Yeah, that's true. This is this is a fairly uninteresting one, but I do like the way that Vaughn is no, in this episode. So I could yeah. I could give a shit about Vaughn. <laughs> but like I like the what they do with him in this season. And I will say, on the record, this is kind of a banging season finale. Like these two episodes that we're watching this week and next week, like, I don't know. I was into it. I it felt tense to me. And even though I did, yes, fall asleep because of extenuating <laughs> circumstances completely unrelated to burn notice, um, I've I felt it. I enjoyed it. Anyway, so back of the loft again, but with Sam too this time. The the trio discusses how Anson is doing something fishy with Vaughn's like assets. So basically like Something is related to Vaughn, somewhat related to money, but there's also some like numbers that they need to sort of not encrypt, but like they know that they stand for something. They just don't know what yet. So um, they're as like Fee and um, or I guess that they're they're calling Jesse to have him look into the numbers to see if he can put any sense around them with his resources. Um, but like the plan is that Michael is going to try to get Pierce to bring Vaughn to Miami for them because Vaughn is currently in Guantanamo. Which is dramatic, but I guess that's where you go when you do I mean, stuff like Obama does. It makes sense to me because, like, good thing Obama didn't close it down. Otherwise, like, where would they have sent them in burn notice? You know that it's still open, right? Yeah, yeah. No, it made sense to me because, like, he did, didn't he? Like, kill a U.S. like a he it killed a lot of people. I mean, yeah, like, he's I don't think sure anyone. To be fair, I don't think anyone should go to Guantanamo. Guantanamo shouldn't exist. 
But it does make sense that Vaughn is here. It's just, it's it's funny that Bird Notice has gotten serious enough that people have to go to Guantanamo. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so anyway, so so Michael has to try and get Pierce to bring him up to Miami for him. Um, and so then they, yeah, they call Jesse and are like, hey, we sent you some documents. Can you see if you can figure out what the fuck they mean? And Jesse's like, sure. So speaking of Jesse, as he's like having this conversation, he's like at a bar or like a restaurant or something. And he appears to have been misled by like why he was invited to this place, but he was invited yeah. to this place by his friend named Ian, who is from a fairly recognizable actor. He's just a really that guy character actor. Yeah, like, exactly. Like you look at him and you're like, everything. oh, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I'm unclear exactly what got Jesse to this place, but they're there. And I also like the way I that think they were the talking to him. the idea is that Jesse thought he was going to a retirement party. I thought that was a joke. <laughs> no, he thought he was going to a retirement party. Did he know that he was going to Ian's retirement party? Yes. Did he know it was going to be Ian? Yes. Okay. So yeah, so he thought he was going to a retirement party for this friend named Ian, but it turns out it's just Ian, and he has to have a serious conversation with Jesse. Um, but like the way that it was presented, like it was kind of confusing just from that level. But also they were they were doing that thing that Burn Notice sometimes do, where it's like you know this guy, my old friend Ian. We go way back, and you're yeah. like, have we met this guy before? And I had to look it up. We have not. We've never met yeah, we Ian met Cowley before. before. But yeah, apparently he and Jesse have history. And um, speaking of, Ian also knows about Jesse and. And Michael's sort of extra governmental activities and is like, hey, I could use some guys like you because I am about to retire, but I hate my fucking job and I want to go out on a high note because basically for the last decade at least or something like that, he long has long been time. essentially, he is, yeah, he's for a long, long time, Ian has been like a governmental babysitter for this like shady diplomat named Yash, who is dealing in a lot of nonsense, but specifically for this episode, he's dealing in blood diamonds. Yash is a bad guy, but he's a diplomat. And because of like, his status as a diplomat, Ian is consistently told to like look the other way. And as a result, Yash has been using Ian to like smuggle diamonds in and out of places because he can use like diplomatic pouches. And he has a literal like CIA FBI guy like you know, clearing his packages for entry to various countries. So Ian has basically been like his right hand man, his unwilling right hand man in dealing in blood diamonds. But like, as Ian, you know, is is heading out of the company, for more reasons than we know right now, he's like, I hate this. No one has ever let me like get this dude. And clearly the proper channels aren't going to deal with this. So like, I need you guys to help me do put your this Michael Weston thing. Do your Michael Weston thing, do your burn notice thing, and let me go out on a high note. Like, I feel terrible that I have, like, enabled murder and terrible things for the past 10 years. But you know what? I'm not going to leave it that way. Like, let's get this dude. So he is now our case of the week. And great. Ian's, Ian's the client. So next, we don't even introduce Michael to him yet. Um, Sam, Jesse, and Ian hide in a car and use a listening device to listen in on Yash's dinner with who... I like I like how much nowadays they're willing to segregate Michael into his own thing and have like, Jesse, Sam, and Fee do like plots themselves. Well, especially now that Michael's back with the CIA, it yeah. has created like a much more interesting dynamic where like Michael's like sort of now the the legit one and they're, you know, still running the side business that he kind of dips into every once in a while. Right, yeah, but, yeah I enjoy like, that. The, 
But yeah, I like that they're finally using Jesse more and more as like the Michael person. And Michael is kind of like, you know, moved up in management almost. Yeah, I like that. I think that's, that's an gross. interesting dynamic. Yeah, it is growth. So yeah, so Sam, Jesse, and Ian hiding in a car. They're aiming a listening device at Yash and his new buyer. The gut um, thing. His new smuggling client. And um, they, uh, Ian thinks that a deal is happening in like a week. And because he's always in the room for the deals, because he's like the legit one, like doing all the paperwork and stuff. He's like, I can steal all this evidence. I've looked at it in my face. I just need like someone to help me get it to the right people. So like, let's figure out what the deal is. And I'll just like do my normal thing, but just steal all the evidence. The problem is uh, they learn at this meeting that the deal isn't next week. It's tomorrow so they're like well shit we do not have time to steal this ship tomorrow so we need to stall he's like well won't it be suspicious if like this guy's client goes missing and then i introduce him to a new one and they're like no no no, his client's not gonna go missing the money is uh and who better to do in a uh, broad daylight heist than fiona i love this already yeah no this so, is good <laughs> Back on the other side of things, Michael has successfully gotten Pierce to bring Vaughn up from Guantanamo, but uh, also without her being able to be in the room, because like the kind of paperwork he's, he filed was like, it's only him and Vaughn that are allowed to talk, and she's not allowed to know anything about it. And she's like, hey, what the fuck? And Michael's It's like, interesting ah. to me, too, because like I remember when they first decided to involve, they said, we'll have Pierce get Vaughn. Part of me was like, are they finally going to, like, bring Pierce in? in? No, they're not. And it makes it so much weirder because it seems like, it feels like Michael's going through a lot of effort, like, to tie up loose ends. And it feels mm. weird. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so Michael successfully gets Bond to come up, but does not successfully get around doing a fuck ton of paperwork related to it. So... That's that scene. Then we go back to the broad daylight heist where the client. Oh God, that scene. Sorry, I just remembered. There's that scene ends right with all the paperwork. Mm -hmm. The line, as best I can tell, is "Get your own pen." What? Writing utensil pen. Yeah, but I don't. I don't know what this is in context to. Like because of the paperwork. Oh 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 oh. And I think in the script, it's like Michael was gonna take her pen, and she was like get your own pen but the way that she says it she like hands him a pen and she's like get your own pen and it's so weird it's i was like hey old johnny she may have said you get your own pen but even then it feels oh yeah no i think she says like you even get your own pen i feel like that's how she's like reading it but the actual line is like not that i don't know it feels like a weird choice and it threw me off yeah, i was I never the same again at all <laughs> <laughs> well now it's over the scene's over we can move on uh so at the broad daylight heist the uh, blood diamond client is like mid getting a parking ticket because they were like they were gonna like it, you know he, he was coming out of the bank with his money and he's about to get to his car but um before they can do the heist like a police officer gets involved because he parked in a no parking zone so they're like shit the police are here we we have to call this off and fee's like no 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 we don't have to call shit off sam meet me in like a particular little area and so fee uh does a lot of fast driving that's very erratic and strategic which we love we love fee in a fast car um and basically like as this guy drives away she forces him with her vehicle to like get him to an area where they can basically ambush him and steal his car and uh, money 
And it works. And it's very fun. It's really fun. And But now that some things have changed a little bit, basically the, the plan from here is now that this Blood Diamond guy is out of commission, Ian has to now pretend to like want to go to the dark side and introduce a new client for Yash, um, which is going to be Jesse. So, um, you know, pretty standard stuff like, hey, we get one buyer out and we put in one of our people instead and our inside guy, our whistleblower has to be involved in the con. Yeah. So, you know, standard burn out of shit. Michael then heads to Tampa to meet with Vaughn and Vaughn's new mustache. And Vaughn, while unhappy with his predicament, has to admit the game recognizes game because during this conversation where Michael's like, I need your help, blah, 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 blah. Um, they, he uses a lot of the same words that Vaughn used on him once at the beginning of last Last season so it's sort of like a fun parallel reversal of roles that even Vaughn has to be like all right that's pretty fucking good Michael Weston you you got me you got my ass uh, and so he's like all I right, missed bring me all some of scotch. that I don't remember any <laughs> oh, of that other scene. oh really I mean it, yeah. was, it was pretty like telegraphed that he was mm-hmm. basically repeating lines back to him like it looks like I'm the only friend you got stuff like that um so yeah right. so it was it was definitely a parallel to the old scene so see, I was paying attention a little bit, and Vaughn's like, bring me a scotch and the file, and we can talk. And so Michael's like, okay, I'll come back later. Jesse is looking fabulous in a blue silk shirt and just, like, dripping with diamonds. Yeah, and- no, he looks great. <laughs> And he's introduced as a buyer and a Capricorn. And though it takes a little bit of convincing, Yash is convinced to meet with him with uh, via Ian. But he then, of course, has to, it's early enough in the episode that he can reveal himself as not a total dingus and insists that Jesse, who like part of his background is he claims he cuts his own diamonds and there's no third party. He's like, all right, don't bring a third party into this. And also, I want to see your facility. Can I see really quickly? This is another great Jesse alias. It's an excellent Jesse. This is like, this is this is like the like this is the thing that Jesse does. And he does it so well. This this big flamboyant kind of dumb character. Yeah, yeah. Flamboyant's a good word for it. Like, like Jesse characters are always go, like, peacocking. Un- yeah, Jesse's characters are peacocking. Michael's characters are like unhinged and you never know yeah. what's gonna happen. Like there's a very different energy with both of them, and it's extremely fun. We haven't seen a Michael Weston alias in a while, which is too bad. But I am excited that we get to see so much Jesse. Because it seemed like at the beginning of this season, we didn't really know what to do with him. So finally, you know, he's back in the game. And he's a Capricorn and everything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so Yash is like, I need to see your facility with these very specific specifications right now. So Jesse's like, okay, I'll call them. <laughs> And so he calls Sam um, and then he calls Sam and is like, you have to get me a diamond facility, but like has to do it, you know, in person, like in front of Yash. So he has to use coded language. He calls Sam and Fee while they're getting the RV fix, the RV from a couple episodes ago that he and the girl from um, the fall of Sam Axe got shut up in. I also completely forgot about that. And so I was like so confused by this. I was like. <laughs> I think it was last episode. So I think it might have just been or like two episodes ago. Just like maybe, a consequence but it's been a of while since you and I have watched. Yeah. Did a podcast. Exactly. It's been a while since we've done a podcast. But yeah. So it's it's the it's the RV or the trailer from I, yeah. where he and he and the girl were hiding out. I also kind of just never assumed that that was Sam's. What do you mean? I assumed that they just found it. (laughs) No, I think he says, like, I have a friend who can give us a place to hide out. Like, it's like a throwaway line. Um, I just, like, happened to recognize the RV for some reason. I don't know why, but, like, I I, instantly I knew what this was. But, yeah, so that's he and Fee are trying to haggle to get the RV fixed. But then um, Jesse calls him. It's like, hey, Chuck, 
you know the diamond facility that we have where we can cut diamonds? I'm coming right now. <laughs> right now. So, right this so second. So Sam's like, Sam's like, okay. Uh, Clean up our diamond place. facility. <laughs> Clean up our diamond facility. And Chuck's like, okay, I will do that, sir. Uh, so he's like, I remember a place that I think will work for us. Just, you know, stall as much as you can. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll have it set yeah. up for you when you get there. It's like an ex-girlfriend of Sam's liked getting diamonds from this place that was a little bit shady. Yeah, so they so they so Fee and Sam go to the shady diamond realtor, and they're the like the lady in charge is there, and they're like, "Here, we're gonna give you two thousand dollars to just like take a long lunch. We promise we're not gonna steal anything. We're not gonna be weird. We just like need the store." And she's like, "What?" And they're like, "Okay, five thousand dollars." And then eventually they get up to twenty thousand dollars. Like, yeah, we'll give you twenty thousand dollars to just get the fuck out of here. And I'm like, "Where the fuck are they getting twenty thousand? Where are they getting all this money? Like, it's be fair, like." For the listening audience, it's not as if that, like, Fee is just throwing out numbers. They have, like, things of cash. Yeah, like, she has yeah, literally have, like, actual cash. Bundles of cash she is putting on the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she sure is. It's amazing. There is cash on the table. <laughs> it's and, so like, also, cash. this woman, the, the woman who owns the place, like, very quickly. It's like, do you know what this is? Like, this is clearly like a mob place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's like, uh, you, this is not where you think. And they're like, no, this is where we think. Please. And then then they see Jesse going up. And, and I think finally they like take him at gunpoint. And they're like, get into the back and shut the fuck up. We promise we're not going to hurt you. We're not going to do anything. We just need your facilities. And so Fee takes the, like... I was the, so glad the that owner. we got this scene, by the way. Because I feel like a lot of times... this they is just a show scene- up and it worked out. They, yeah, they just show up and it's like, yeah, we got this place. I'm thinking about the Mr. Snaps episode where like <laughs> they had to suddenly make like this like place and put Michael in like a priest costume and all that shit. Oh yeah, yeah, they they create a Sunday service basically from nothing. Exactly. And so it's nice to see them do this scene. Mm-hmm. And see it go really badly because they're in a rush and they're like Fuck, right. just get in the back. But yeah, so it's the owner and like a storefront guy. Um, so there's two people that they basically like are holding hostage in the back. Jesse comes in with with Yash and with Ian and, uh, you know, they, they walk around and Yash is like, okay, cool. But like, I want to see your cutting facility. And <laughs> they're like, okay. So they open the door to the back and Fiona and like the owner and the other guy are just like sitting there like around the equipment. And there's like this tense moment where it's like, shit, they're definitely being held hostage. What are they going to say? But the lady plays it cool. And it's just like, oh, hi. Yeah, we are his diamond cutters. What's up? And Yash is like, all right, cool. We can do business. And there's this like collective sigh of relief amongst all of the burn notice people. And I really like that too. I like that I she really was like, like that finally too. just it's game. really good. Like she this seems is one like of my favorite sequences like, that we've had in a while. Yeah, it was very fun. It was like, I like that it went bad, but they just had to keep going. You know, they were like, we don't have time for this to go bad. We just got to do something. Yeah, it was very fun. It was it was fun to kind of watch them like crash into this place like bulls in a china shop and then have it work out by the skin of their teeth. I think probably because this one when like recognized what was going on finally and was like, well, I'm getting 20 grand out of this. So sure, I'll play along. They right, seem like yeah. they're on the level. Like, whatever. I'm a shady diamond dealer. It's like, we've all, I've done this before. 
<laughs> yes, I've, I've seen how this works out. Sure, I'll take your 20 grand. Yes, I cut diamonds for this man that I've definitely seen before. So that all goes well. Um, and so they head to Carlitos, where Sam and Jesse sort of prep Ian for their big play. Once Ian is in the vault with Yash and Jesse, he's going to use a spy pen that's actually a needle to put him to sleep. Or I guess Jesse's going to use it. I, it was unclear to me who had the pen. I thought it was going to be Ian, but it is Jesse. Me too. But it is because like I even had a, a note in my notes that I went back and deleted later. because I was like, why are they giving if Jesse's going to be in the room? Why does Ian have the spy pen? He's not a field operative. He's like a lackey, basically. It's because but they're yeah, like showing it to him. Like, yeah, the, it's, I, it's very confusing. <laughs> like the film language suggests that like he needs to know this in order to do it. But I that think is not maybe it's just he's nervous and they're like, no, 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 we got this handled. This is how we're going to deal with Yash. Yeah. So basically, they're, once they grab all the evidence, they're going to put Ian to, or, uh, Yash to sleep with the spy pen. And then they're going to head to the back of the house because like it's a, it's a diplomatic residence. So obviously, there's a lot of security. But they think that there is a, a weak point in the back that they can just sort of blow a door through like Fiona is wont to do. Fiona loves blowing doors into buildings. Mm-hmm. And so that's the plan. They, like They just need to grab the shit put Yash to sleep and get to this area where Fiona will like, you know, get them out of there and they can make their escape. So that's, that is the plan so far. Um, We head back to Tampa where Michael and Vaughn are sharing apparently a not very good scotch and the file. And then Vaughn's like, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I know what this is. Um, I want full immunity. And Michael's like, I'm sorry. This is unexpected. Why would you ask for that person from Guantanamo who I've given bad scotch to? And Vaughn's like, yeah, yeah, no, I have like literally nothing left to lose. Full immunity or fuck you. And so Michael's like, all right, I'll look into it. He's like, all right, maybe good play, Vaughn. Um, yeah, and no, I think that's that like it sets what up you a really- do. Yeah, it's exactly what you do. It's sort of funny that Michael thinks that he's just like, out of the goodness of his heart, going to tell him what Anton's up to. Or Anson is. Or up. like, yeah. Anton. <laughs> Right, or that like Michael thinks that like he could get him moved to like a nicer cell or something. Yeah, you know? yeah, I think that's what it was. Is he was like, I can't get you full immunity. I can get you to, I can get you out of Guantanamo full time. Like, wouldn't that be nice? And Vaughn's like, yeah. you know what would be nicer? Full immunity, actually. <laughs> Michael's like, fine, I'll figure that out. So Michael leaves, and I'm like, Ooh, not just he gonna deal with this. Vaughn's like, and to be fair, not just legal immunity. I don't want to get diseases again. <laughs> I want to be first in line for the COVID vaccine. Yes, I'm from the future. I know what COVID is. You don't know yet, but I want that sweet, sweet Pfizer first in line. So back to the diplomatic heist part of the plot. Fee and Sam are kind of keeping an eye outside of the diplomatic residence, prepping their explosive door while Jesse and Ian head in. Unfortunately, as they're prepping the door, they realize why this area of the um, residence is not guarded, and it's because it's reinforced with, like, steel. So they need a lot more explosives to get through that wall, and... there's like there's kind of a balance of like getting a door in the wall versus just bringing the entire fucking compound down around everyone inside and he's like i am not comfortable with this balance the amount of explosives i need to use with you know listen i have a trigger with explosives now which is i like them but you know some shit happened earlier in the season uh or i guess last season i don't remember when it happened Mm -hmm. and i maybe don't want to blow up more people in a house because of my bombs so we need to do something else (laughs) right 
they're like, well, shit, we need to signal to Jesse and Ian that they can't come this way with, you know, asleep Yash. We need to signal to them that, like, shit's gone down. We have to, like, pull the plug. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to get them out clean because of all the guards and stuff. So the um, improvisation that they put into place is that Fee explodes a car as a signal. <laughs> and Fee explodes not just any car. <laughs> I was going to reveal that, but yeah, it's okay. not just any cars. So they blow up a car <laughs> and which like obviously prompts everyone to like come out of the house, which is good. And um, unfortunately in order to sell this bit and to, cause like Sam is basically like running around the compound being like, Jesse is, I, Jesse is my boss. Jesse is my boss. I think something's happening. I think something dangerous is happening. Jesse, are you okay? And then Fee blows up Jesse's car. <laughs> Remember the car that he's been so proud of all season? That's I apparently wish that a I Jesse's car. He love, they've given it to con men. <laughs> they've given it yeah. away. They've, but like now Fee has officially just like fully blown it up uh, to sell. As my favorite. I love this as like the end of this runner. <laughs> I do. I always I love that the the destruction and putting back together of an aqu- acquisition of cars is such a big deal to the Burnettis universe. Yeah, it's such a car show. It's a car show. It's a it's a show for for guys and dudes and cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so they've signaled Jesse. They're, Jesse and Ian are safe, but you know, unfortunately, the evidence is definitely going to be gone at this point. Uh, and we yeah. learn in the next scene that like, like Yash essentially like gets rid of all of it immediately, like ships it overseas. So like they're alive, but their play didn't go through. And at the loft, Michael, who like, maybe has met with him once, I don't know, but like Michael's basically looking over like their case report and is like, honestly, I would have done the same thing. Like the this this you know we'll we'll get him next time we'll we'll try again eventually but like this was the right play and i i'm sorry that it went bad but like i'm glad you all are alive (laughs) that's obviously the priority and ian's like fuck that i'm dying and they're like oh okay or i guess yeah yeah this is where he he reveals he's yeah this is where he he reveals yeah he, he has pancreatic cancer and it's like i'm willing to die for this like people have already died for this as a result of my inaction like fuck this like Put me in, coach, because Michael's basically like, we'll have to figure, you know, when he comes back into town again, maybe we'll get him that time. But like, you know, unfortunately, this trip, it's just not going to happen. And um, and Ian's like, well, what if we get him on a different like crime that will get him put away for the same amount of time, you know, and it may not get him for the stuff he's actually done, but like whatever. And Michael's like, well, I don't know what that crime would be. And we don't really have time to set anything up. And Ian's like, what if he goes down for murder, for murdering me, Ian, your new friend? What if he kills me? And Michael's like, what if he what? What? And he's like, well, I'm dying. I have pancreatic cancer. Please let me die in a flame of bullets. Please, 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 please. I want to take this dude down. And they're like, okay, (laughs) I guess that's fine. This is your choice. Yeah, let's fucking get you murdered, my friend. We're going to get him. So uh, Jesse meets with Yash again, and um, it, like originally in in getting Jesse out of the house and blowing up his car, they're like, "I think Yash is a bad guy who's setting you up, Jesse. Get out of here." But then when Jesse meets with Yash this time, he's like, he's at Yash's house and he's like, "Dude, I think Ian is the one setting us up. Like, I found a listening device where Ian was sitting recently. Like, I think that this fucking CIA dude." is a force to be reckoned with, we're in trouble. And then Yeah, he's like trying to steal our shit. He is trying to steal our shit. And so the plan is that he's gonna come in with like a special kind of like fake gun that I think has some kind of not maybe not projectile, but like enough force that comes out of it. Um I thought like, there were just will, blanks. 
Yeah, or blinks, something. But like, there, there's enough that comes out of this fake gun that they've given Ian that it will set off the uh, blood packs under Jesse's shirt because Jesse is right. like going into this meeting with like blood packs under his shirt. So Ian comes in, shoots Jesse, and allegedly kills him and shoots at Yash. And then as Yash is like cowering away, Ian like hands off the gun to dead Jesse and like runs out of the house prompting Yash to follow him and like, you know, do retribution. And then he like goes out and he, he brings him out into the, the courtyard in front of his house. They have are the gang has already called the cops for a nearby domestic disturbance that is obviously not real, but like to get the cops into place. Ian like pretends to pull a gun out of his like shirt to turn around and shoot Yash, but it's just like, he's just doing a handgun. Yeah. Like he's finger like- guns. Yeah. Which I thought was very cool. Like, as you see him turning and he's just got like a finger gun situation going on. I'm like, damn. No, it does. It's like very epic. Like, it's it's very this is epic. well shot. Yeah. And in slow motion, Ian goes down in a blaze of glory as Yash like puts him in him. And of course, the cops are there and they're like, what the fuck? You just murdered this dude in your front yard. And he's like, no, you don't understand. He has a gun. There's a dead guy at my house. Like, shit's bad. Like, this was self-defense. But of course, Ian doesn't have any guns on him. And Jesse is definitely left by that point. So, you know, it pretty much just looks like Yash killed this dude in cold blood. And luckily, right before Ian, you know, heroically dies, he says like, to Yash, he did. I got you. I think it's so funny about this. Is that, like, I feel like a lot of times they do this kind of play where it's, like, making it look like they're doing a crime. But, like, he did a crime. Like, this Mm -hmm. is entrapment is what it is. (laughs) It's definitely entrapment, but there's no proof. Um, yeah, but yeah, so so uh, his la- Ian's last words were, "I got you," and uh, he did. He fucking got him. So Yash is parted away, as is Ian's body. All's well that ends well, I guess. He was gonna die anyways. It's fine. So we head back to the Tampa holding facility where um, Pierce brings Michael some stuff, like some files that we don't really know the contents of yet, and is like, "You have to tell me what's going on because like." Some of this shit seems crazy. What is happening? And Michael's like, I can't tell you everything. It's super dangerous, but like high level. The last person I told my suspicions to was Max. He's dead. <laughs> we know how that worked out. But all I can tell you is that remember how I got burned by a like an organization and there was four seasons of a show about it? She's like, yeah, I remember that. I've seen Burn Notice. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that organization's not done. And I'm trying to get the information that I need to get it, get rid of it once and for all. Right. And she's like, okay, but I'm going to need an explanation eventually. And he's like, okay, it's very clear. Actually, I think this is important. He says in this scene, like his investigation isn't done. Not everyone was arrested or got. Mm -hmm. He doesn't, I don't think he specifically says the organization still exists. Right, but he's like something like the investigation's not over. We didn't get everyone, but I'm trying to. I'm trying to tie in that loose end, but I don't want to put anyone else in danger because obviously right. Max got killed. That's not great. I exactly. don't want you to die. You're very hot, and Bree and Chris like talking about you every week. So like, I would. Lo- I have a vested interest in keeping you alive. But here's what I can tell you. Yeah, which I think is important because I feel like you are reading into it that like the organization still exists. Yeah, I don't and, remember this. Which, like, we all, which, like, I was too. We all were. Which is why the revelation in the next scene feels weak. Sure. I mean, it feels weak, but I, I still like it. So let's let's get to that. Let's We can unpack in a second. But so Michael goes inside to talk to Vaughn and is like, so I didn't get you full immunity, but I did fulfill my promise, which is I can get you out of Guantanamo. And Vaughn's like, uh, well, that's not good enough. So fuck you. And Michael's like, oh, no, 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 no. Don't worry. 
I've, I've sweetened the deal a little bit. Do you remember this guy who's like an assassin from the organization? And also this guy, and it's a picture of Simon Escher. Remember? Simon Escher, mind freak. Uh, and he's like, I'm transferring them to your new place as well. So you're not going to be alone. You'll have friends. For 27 years, you'll all be friends in prison together. Won't that be so much fun, Vaughn? Won't it be so fun to see your friends again, who you definitely turned on and imprisoned? Um, anyways, have a nice life. And Vaughn's like, oh, okay, 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 okay. You got me. <laughs> What's happening is um, essentially Burn Notice 2 Electric Boogaloo. Anson's trying to start up the organization that burned you again. Dun, dun, dun. And it's like, yeah, duh. Mm-hmm. Like, it seems, like, weird that that's, like, a reveal. It just seems like that should have been obvious. Like, Yeah, I think the show thinks that we are assuming, like, Michael is for some insane reason that all Anson wants to do is, like, disappear with his money. But, like, this dude ran a covert organization for years that made him so much money and got him so much power and let him do his mind freak on everybody. Why would he give that up? Exactly. It just seems like it's obvious that as long as this guy is not, like, in jail or dead he is going to keep trying to do this thing like it's Mm -hmm. really weird that like they're trying to play this as like a reveal that like oh yeah it's like i guess Mm -hmm. i mean it's not even like it's like i agree like i i I 100 agree with everything you're saying because like we've known we we've been known this i knew this from like episode one when it was like yeah so it's over (laughs) they're all gone and i was like i mean they're definitely not all gone but nice try matt nix but i it still works on me because i think that this is an interesting like inversion like and especially with what we learn next episode no spoilers but like i think this is an interesting use of this as annoyed as i am that we're just doing burn notice to electric boogaloo I think that they're doing interesting stuff with it and there are enough new elements and Michael is like ingratiated enough personally this time that I think that it will create interesting things. I am excited to see where this goes. I am still annoyed that this is where we've gone though. I like, yeah, it is a little annoying that like Vaughn's like, Anson's building another Death Star. But at least I think that this is going to be better than uh, the yeah. Star Killer base of it. I think right. I I am personally I have high hopes <laughs> that this will not be a Star Killer base sort of a situation. I do think that like with the addition of Jesse, with the addition of like Fiona being blackmailed, with the addition of like Pierce getting embroiled in all of it, like I think that there is enough that like for the first time, honestly, Burn Notice feels personal, and I like that. Yes, I like that a I lot. Do ad- I do really like that. I and I agree with that. I like yeah, I don't have a problem with this as a broader plot point. It's more I'm annoyed that the burn notice writers think they're surprising us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, you know, not everyone's gonna pay as close of attention to us, and I'm sure that it did feel big if you like you weren't really thinking about it, you were sort of passively watching. But yeah, anyone who's paying attention has known that this was the thing that was happening, like, from the beginning. Like, it is honestly very strange that Michael's like, so this guy that used to be in charge of, like, everything and was the puppet master of everyone, he's definitely just, like, gonna let me have my life back if I get him a bank account again. Yeah, it's just... (laughs) I'll file some paperwork and Anson will be gone forever. That's totally definitely what's gonna happen. Yeah, it just seems like it's not, like, a twist, but, like, the base assumption that you would make about the character... Right, but they've just avoided making that base assumption so it could be a reveal. Yeah, and that's dumb. 
Yeah, a little bit. Let's talk about spy tips. So I kept more of these in than I might have otherwise because uh, I was in like sort of a fever dream when I got to this point of the process. Um, but let's 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 do it. Let's go let's through them. Let's go through memory lane. Uh, okay, spy tip number one, maybe. Law firms are used to run all sorts of shady businesses for good reason. They're discreet, powerful, and protected. Between the high security and privacy rules, getting intel from a law office is more or less impossible, unless you're willing to break those rules. Uh, I think this is interesting. No. I, I think it makes sense, like... What's Privacy rules of like, you know, um, I was about to say doctor-patient confidentiality. But like lawyer, that's like, that's just privilege. Like, client, I don't know. I I don't necessarily think that I would have like fed my my dirty deets and my dirty money and my dirty uh, files through a law firm necessarily. I guess maybe. I don't know. This is a, this is on the line. That's it's fine if you don't like it. We have a lot to go through here. But I thought I like I never really thought about like oh yeah I guess that that makes sense. Yeah. No, like, I guess not just that... like have a dirty lawyer. It's like a law firm specifically is a good place to like basically launder information and money. Right. Yeah, that's true. No, that's fine. We can keep it. Sure. Great. Number two, if you can find someone who fits your general description and borrow their identification, the perfect wig and a new pair of glasses can get you a free ticket to look around, at least until the firm's lawyers get back from lunch. So this is essentially how they got into that building, which they staked it out, they found someone who was a body match, and then they just got the accessories needed to look enough like that person that once they had, you know, done uh, the classic switcheroo of taking her ID card, they could just get in. I liked this. So yeah, it's, it's good. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's kind of a no tip. shit, but it's it's simple. It's like we we watched how they built this profile together. Like, yeah, it works for me. All right. Yeah. Number three, most people assume the best time to rob somebody is on a dark street at night. But the fact is a daytime heist has, it, has its advantages. Bystanders are more focused on their own business than what's going on around them. And most importantly, the target is less likely to have his guard up. Daytime robberies do have one major drawback, however. If a cop shows up at the wrong time, it's a lot harder to hide. Um, so that last part is just like burn it as flavor. But, um, but I like that they kind of talk through why a daytime why? Yeah. heist is actually useful. It's also it's kind of like a Home Alone tip. Right? Like it is a little bit of Home Alone tip. Because they were like, we're not going to break in at night. We're going to break in while people are at work. This is one of those tips that I feel like, I think it's a good tip, but I also don't know if it's true. I mean, I think like, that it is. Like, because it's sort of this, it's sort of the reversal of like, I think last week or the week before where there was that tip about um, you should never try to do something to somebody while they're waiting at a traffic light because like they're bored and have nothing to do but look around them and like be aware of what's happening because they have nothing else to focus right. on. It's sort of the same thing, but like in the reverse, because it's like at nighttime, you, your guard is up. There's not as many people around. So it's harder to like hide in plain sight and like people are more guarded because they can't see as well. So like they have to be more aware of their surroundings. That's true. No, okay, I'll take it. Great. Wow, this is going re- way better than I thought it would. Number four, the key to manipulating another driver. I'm very, is I'm a very like amenable person. I mean, you're a worm, but it's okay. Exactly. Um, <laughs> number four, the key to manipulating another driver is to make them reactive. If you want them to speed up, ride their bumper. If you want them to slow down, box them in. When you need to make them to make a turn, steer them towards an obstacle. It's a lot like dancing at 60 miles an hour into oncoming traffic. This is another one I don't know. I don't steer them towards an obstacle. Like how? Hmm. I could go either way on this one. 
I could too. It, it, it not, like I like the you know if you want them to speed up, ride their bumper. If you want them to slow, like there's there's a couple of things here that I'm like, oh, I guess that makes sense. But like I the obstacle like thing some is of them sort of like feel very like situational. Yeah, yeah. It seems both situational and like sort of intuitive. That's yeah. fine. We've got we've got more. Let's get rid of it. Right. And I've been like mean to. I've been too nice to the other one. So fuck you. <laughs> number four when approaching an underwater nope <laughs> an underwater target uh, when going four. to the gungan city <laughs> <laughs> misa jar jar binks number four when approaching an underwater fuck i was gonna say it again misa your humble servant number four when approaching an underworld target you don't get points for being subtle most bad guys live in a world where the point of money is to show it off it's one of the few times having a blue silk shirt and diamonds on your watch sends the message that you're a good business partner Eh. have we had this before i don't know i feel like we've had this before we've had like the don't be subtle part but i (laughs) i like the added detail of like when you're doing business with like shady, like money people, like the point of having money in this place is not to be like subtle about it. You know, you need to look like you have money because that's what these people are expecting. I feel like we've had that before. I'm sure we've had some version of that. So that's fair. Yeah. Number four, when you're operating under a cover ID, it's sometimes necessary to convince people in the field to support your operation. Often it's something simple, like asking someone at a restaurant if you can join them for a few minutes while you're doing surveillance. Some requests, however, are a little more difficult. It's more like the first part of that was, I thought, potentially interesting. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about this one either. Yeah, I wish they'd given us one other example. Yeah, something to make it feel more concrete. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Delete. Burning through them all of a sudden. Number four, if you need to create a doorway and a concrete wall, a breaching frame is a handy tool to bring along. Filled with water and lined with explosives, it directs a charge to surgically cut into a structure. Set it up properly, and it will blast into a building faster than you can say open sesame. Of course, if you can't set it up properly, you may as well knock on your target's front door. Um, I feel like we've had this. I don't know if we've ever had... One that's like a breaching frame. Yeah, I've never heard of a breaching frame. And the fact that it's so, yeah, with water and lined with explosives. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's a good old-fashioned ex- bomb tip. Yeah. Number five, simulated munitions are Underwater. a non-lethal projectile used mainly for training purposes. They pack a punch, but they're designed not to do any real damage beyond a welt and some bruising. Yeah, so this is different than blanks, which means okay, so if they're all blanks, you've got yeah. in a firefight, you don't have much. Yeah, so so this is, I, I like this tip, um, obviously. Yeah, I do too. Because, yeah, I didn't know that simulated munitions were a thing. I didn't Like, it's sort of, like, one step below rubber bullets, almost. So it's, like, something is coming out of it, but, like, obviously less lethal, but enough to puncture um, blood packs under somebody's shirt. Right. So, cool. That's five. We did five five of them. So there were at least five practical spy tips. Good job, Benny boy. Uh, Did we solve the weekly case with spycraft over violence? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. It was a lot of spycraft stuff. They did it. They did the spy stuff. They did spy I stuff mean, was, on the spy show. Yeah. Once again, it was a lot of engineering other people to be violent on their behalf. But still. They still, yeah. And and also, I think Michael Weston's whole little side plot with Vaughn and being like, okay, you want full immunity? How about Simon Escher as your bunkmate? You fool. You worm. Hey, I'm the worm. <laughs> they call me Dr. Worm. 
uh what there was no alias so that doesn't i mean, well, I mean we, yeah jesse had an alias but not like uh michael yeah, alias. no no michael weston alias unfortunately michael weston has just been michael weston the past couple of episodes so uh-huh. that's too bad but uh i think we're gonna get here on this next one are at least two supporting characters used well uh so i want to start with madeline because this is the last time we see her this season and she's in like the very first scene does madeline get a genuine emotional moment with another character do you consider her her back and forth with Michael about his dad at the beginning, a genuine emotional moment? Uh, not really. Usually this, yeah, usually this is like an end of the episode, genuine emotional moment beat. I, I think like... It's a decent scene. Like, it's a decent scene. Anytime these two actors get to be dramatic together, I think it works. I think, like, yeah, I think the part of the thing is that, like, I think in order for it to be, to fit this, it's gotta be, like, a scene where, like, Madeline is, like, acting. Like, where Sharon Glass is, like, acting off another actor and like yeah this was more expositional than yeah and it's like it's the sort of thing that like they do with her a lot where like she kind of it can't just be theme stating you know she and like another character have to like go through a thing you know what i mean right and, like, I think that they're trying to do that because, like, obviously the past couple of episodes have been rough on her. Her boyfriend was outed as a spy and then was fucking murdered in front of her. Anson was, like, her therapist and has been using uh, intimate int- information that she personally gave him to, like, blackmail her kids. Her husband her was husband murdered. Her husband was retcon murdered. Yeah, he was retcon murdered. 15 years ago. So I think that they're hoping that that matters. But like, I think the fact that Madeline has been so far outside of this, like she's been involved, but Mm -hmm. it feels like incidental rather than like intertwined. And the fact that she she has to have like at the beginning of the episode, she's clearly not that involved. I think in order for this to apply, it has to be a scene about Madeline's emotions more than it is about Michael's emotions. Right. And it's barely even about Michael's emotions. It's exactly. more just it's like, just... hey, this is my explanation for why I'm not in the next two episodes. Yeah. Bye. Yeah, it's nothing. Okay, so not a genuine emotional moment with Madeline. Did Fee right. get to blow something up? Yes. Yes, she did. Yes, she, she blew did. up Jesse's car. She blew up Jesse's car. Jesse's car does not have it going on because it's no. exploded. And we've known it. Jesse for wishes not he long. had Jesse's car. <laughs> So, but yes, we got to do that. Did Sam get to be peak Bruce Campbell? Not really. Nah, not really. He, no. His his big thing this scene was like knowing a shady diamond place because an yeah. old girlfriend liked them. Exactly. But we didn't get any and, salacious details about the old girlfriend. And I feel yeah. like that might have pushed us over the ledge. That Exactly. Like stealing a beer from somebody at some point. But yeah, no, it was just referencing right. an old girlfriend is not enough. Um, okay, no, so then, yeah, we need to feel like they did sex stuff. Yeah, and we like, need to really, feel a little dirty. Yeah, yes, definitely, a hundred percent, as dirty as a worm, you might say. Okay, finally, Jesse, is he a distinct addition rather than a redundancy? And I think based on the thing that you brought up a couple episodes ago about mm-hmm. like the distinctness of his aliases, I think that this definitely passes yeah. on that. We would not have gotten this version of an alias from Michael Weston. No, we would have not. Like. And I really enjoy this character. So, yeah. I enjoy this character, too. And I do think that, like, it makes him not redundant, too, because even though he's sort of filling the role that Michael would have filled had he not been running around with the CIA, like, this is a character that only Jesse or Michael could have pulled off. Like, Fee couldn't have done this kind of person. Sam couldn't have done this kind of person. Like, you need to be kind of young and attractive. Yeah. You know, 
have a, a different thing. kind of That presence. is the thing about Jesse, is that, like, he can play youth and none of the other, like, Bernetta's crew can play youth. Right. Yeah, even Fiona. Like, she's not young. She's, yeah. like... Right. Not, not that she's old, but, like, she no, has a very different energy. Yeah, she does not have, like, a young energy. Like, she can play that sometimes. Sometimes she'll play it, but it always feels a little forced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like it when she is, like, you know, sort of a, an embattled, like, bitch in yeah. charge. We don't get to exactly. see that enough. I miss do- I think we've talked about this before, but, like, they should do more aliases with feet. She's so fun they as should. an alias. Okay, well, that's that's two supporting characters. That's three out of four. This is officially a great episode of Burn Notice. Now, do we think this is a great episode of television? Do you think that? Well, <laughs> with the caveat that I only remember ah! 75% of it. Um, I mean, I enjoyed this episode. I thought... Um, I don't know. I think that Ian's introduction was a little stumbly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I I enjoyed. Think, I like. I think I enjoyed that the might be you a little because I had did not have that problem at all. Maybe not. I feel like I instantly understood what was going on. I mean, I don't know. What do you think? I could go either way. Like, I don't. I think it's a really solid episode of Burna, like episode of I television. I do too. It's definitely I a don't... solid episode of television. I think it's doing a. It's a doing its a good job as a penultimate episode of the Uh season. And like, I I think it's like, I don't know. I think they earned the ending for Ian, like the ending of for Ian played for me. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not too corny. It does feel tense. It does feel exciting. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can, even though I did fall asleep during your episode, I think I liked next episode better. uh I thought it was more dramatic. Um, I mean, it's not a serious game finale, but like, but um, I I mean, this isn't, I don't think it's a spectacularly written episode is the thing. I don't like, think, I think it's yeah. well done, but I don't, I don't know if I want to put it in the same category as no, like I agree. a bad breaks or something. I think it's, it's close, Benny. It's Benny, close. Yeah. It's close. It's really, it really is close. I but don't I just, either. There was nothing like, exciting I, about like any of the individual scenes. I thought it was well done. It was a good dramatic episode, but I don't think that the writing is stand out enough to make it like other right. than a really good episode. It was that I great. Agree. Um, so as a result, yeah. unfortunately, is it is simply an episode of television. But again, caveat: like many episodes this season, I really en- I did enjoy it. Like I did, yeah, uh, I enjoyed it. There quite was a occasional bit. stumbling plots. Like yeah, it was it's very good. It just it wasn't standout. There was nothing special about it. And right. a great episode of television has to be special. There has to be yeah. some kernel of it that's like, ooh, I've never seen that before. Or, ooh, that was such a great detail and runner. Yeah. And there's not, yeah, it's not quite that. It's not quite that. It's very competent. Very, very competent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I enjoyed it. I, again, I think it was a really well done penultimate episode. Like, those are hard. Those are often, like, yeah. plotty enough, but not so plotty that you can, like, do a fun, like, final cliffhanger because you need to just set up the finale. Like, the penultimate episode's hard. And I think that this does a really well done, a really good job. I just and wish I, there was a little more pizzazz to it. I do, like, I like it when a show kind of does a more thematic penultimate episode. I mean, that's not surprising. It's me. But, like, I and that's definitely the thing they're going... Because it really, like, there's very little, like, actual, like, season, like, plot arc stuff. It's mostly just an Ian episode. 
it's mostly just a case of the week. It's just mm, sort of yeah, yeah. The ball scenes are related. pretty short. Yeah, they are. And, and, it's like, and I did like the way that, like, even though you missed this, I liked that they mirrored the Vaughn and Michael yeah. conversation from the beginning of season four. But, like, it's also, like, one of those things where, like, these Vaughn and Michael scenes could have happened anywhere in the season. Sure. Yeah. I mean, this is definitely, and obviously this is a, a big foreshadowing episode for next for next episode, for the finale. Like, there was a lot that they were doing about, like, you know, doing the right thing and sacrifice yeah. and atoning yeah. for your crime. It's about, like, giving Michael, like, an emotional state to tee him up for the finale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah. It's not quite Solid that. episode of television. Yeah, it's really solid episode of television. I have been overall very impressed with this season. It's just not a great episode. But it's really mm-hmm. close. And I really want to emphasize that, Ben Watkins, yes. our follower on Twitter. Please come on the show and buy us a guest house, Daddy. Mm-hmm. Remember that? How Ben Watkins is going to buy us a guest house? Yeah. Well, we didn't really talk uh, about Ben Watkins this episode. Yeah, I mean, because th- there wasn't, I mean, there wasn't yeah. really a, a Ben Watkins sort of like thing. Like, there's nothing we can read into the psychology of him other than like, yeah, he yeah. seems to be a good writer for the television show Burn Notice. But he is. So, hey, Ben, you're a good writer for the television show Burn Notice. But not a great one. But you're close. Buy us a guest you're house. You're close. Buy us a guest house. And then, you know what? Well, if you buy us a guest it. house, you buy us a guest house, I will make this a great episode of television. Yeah, fuck science. Fuck, yeah. you know, fuck ethical, <laughs> ethical parameters. I have no... I don't care about ethics. I'm a worm. <laughs> Well, on that note, uh, thanks again to Vincent E.L. for our theme music. You can find more of Vince's music at vincentel.bandcamp.com. And until next week, our season five finale, bye-bye. They call me Dr. Worms.